Where's the towel? Where's the napkin? Where's the hanky? Let me just wipe my forehead. Yes, friends, we are at the end of 2020. I wish there was a better expression that I could give to let you know how the year has been so far. But in this episode today, let us spend a few minutes to understand the top 10 things that we learned from the year 2020. Each decade throws some kind of anomaly. Think of 29 or 2010 when there was the subprime crisis 2000. There was a dot-com bust and followed by 9-11 in 2001. Think of 1990, there was some oil crisis and everything. So each decade has had a challenge. But the good news, friends, is what follows is usually a bull run. Think of 91 to 99, 2002 through almost 2008 or 9 say 2011 to 18 and by the same logic analogy hopefully 2021 through 2029 will be a fabulous year ahead so there is reason for you to cheer up chin up and look forward to 2021 and if you had to look forward you would first start by looking backwards so let's go and do a deep dive into 2020 and understand what are the top 10 things you learned in the year gone by Hello and welcome to Bus Talk, a podcast about your work-life balance or the lack thereof, where we do simple talk in the world of complex commentary, the life around work and sundry. It's for those who need support in strife, stuck in the traffic of work life, hoping to find a method to the madness, joy in sadness clarity in confusion and sanity in this commotion. Welcome to Bus Talk. So we began the year doubting that there could be something very bad, something very dangerous, something very sinister that might happen. And then our worst nightmares came true in the month of March when the lockdown was officially and formally announced. And I must admit, we all began thinking, well, it's a welcome break. It will soon get over. There was almost, might I say, a touch of excitement for the overworked, eternally underpaid employee out there. Like, wow, this is a time to be at home. How cool is that? Yes, there was the concern about an epidemic and pandemic and everything. And some of these vocabularies hadn't happened <laughs> until you know April. So I'm talking about early to mid-March, around 15th March or thereabouts, when it kind of became clear that this was something that's going to impact all of us. So the first reaction was that of, okay, this is something unprecedented. And so we're going to be home. We're not going to wade through gazillion cars and traffic and incessant log jams and the return back to home was always farther than it seemed and so you thought that well this could be a nice welcome break but as it turned out the first thing people realized was well how do you do business right so typically at the the pandemic through different questions to different job levels, if you will, for lack of a better expression. So the entrepreneur was thinking, how do I get my employees to work? I'm going to still have to pay them salary. So how do I ensure that these people work? While the employee was thinking, well, I don't want to work right now because it's a situation which is beyond my control and my safety is first. 
And so that is paramount. And it was an interesting conversation that the employer and the employee had at that point in time, uh, which both of them thought that well, all said and done, hopefully by end of the month or maybe middle of April, the things will improve. And then as we know that the lockdown kept on getting extended and a new reality dawned in by the first week of April that this was going to stay and you had to find ways to work around the given new normal and that's where the birth of the terminology new normal set in that if this is the new normal that you've got to work from home well the first thing that came in front of everybody was the video calls so lesson number one learned Video calls are not so easy. Suddenly, the camera would switch on and you would think you notice every small twitch, action, reaction, the deviation, the neighbor's dog barking, the drill machine goes up, the pressure cooker went off at the same time. Just when you're about to start one of the most important conversation, the power went off, the internet fluctuated. And so you realized that doing a video call wasn't as simple and as easy as you perhaps originally thought. And so people got adept to better understanding the various platforms that were available. Think of Skype, think of Zoom, and how Zoom zoomed into our lives, right? And I don't even know why people switched from Skype to Zoom, to be honest. Not that I have anything against Zoom or anything for Skype. I'm, I'm fairly agnostic. But somewhere there was WebEx, there was Google, there was Skype, which, and especially Skype, was perhaps prevalent all along. And somehow Zoom just took everybody by storm. Uh, and it'd be interesting to know what was the trigger point, why people opted for Zoom instead of Skype. It could just be the ease of use. And so video calls and video call quality became important. A lot of people then realized that having a video call also sucked out a lot of bandwidth. That directly had an impact on data plans. And so the first questions people immediately answered at the time, at the beginning of the pandemic or the beginning of the lockdown was, well, now I have a video call life, as it were, and I would therefore need a better data plan, a better stable connection, and so on and so forth, and therefore a better camera. Uh, better lighting and so suddenly we all became video editors and we beca began to be a little more conscious on how we present ourselves and perhaps got a flavor of how it is to be like a news anchor you know you're only you're, you're with a headphone on and <laughs> the uh, classical you're speaking on mute you know that perhaps is the top oxymoron of 2020 that you're speaking on mute and the guy is going on. Earlier, if you remember the days when we used to have conference calls and when people didn't want to answer, they would be on mute by choice, you know, deliberately. And then somebody would say, yeah, I think you're speaking on mute. And they would go, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I was on mute. It used to be a common thing. Now, with the video calls, there was no hiding, right? There was no evading. If you had to answer, you had to answer. They said, look, you have an option to chat as well. And so... Uh, video calls, people realize that there has to be a proper way to execute a video call, a video presentation. And so people's presentations capabilities improved significantly over, say, 2019. Number two, people realize that video calls are also not so difficult. 
you know there were a large segment of people who did not appreciate a video call you know think of all those people who had travel jobs they would say let's go and meet uh, when can i come over and meet and the guy would say why couldn't you have a phone conversation said so, no 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 sir we can't have these conversations over a telephone we need to meet you in person and so much of business got done by a handshake by meeting in person by going into the offices by taking the folks outside all that came crashing down people now realize that there was no meeting in person and if the business had to go on if the show needed to go on then you needed to do the same level of warmth and affection on a video call and therefore all these platforms that were available in so far and which were not being used to the best of their potential were now important skill set to develop and therefore people realized well it was not all that difficult it's lot of these softwares are free to use and they had reasonably good resolution of course it's laptop to laptop dependent but by and large they have a good resolution you have pick up a good microphone and audio system and you can actually hold a full length conversation so all those old school leaders who perhaps hinged their entire business strategy or sales strategy over let's have a meeting now had to eat humble blueberry cheesecake well blueberry cheesecake is not so humble but whatever the humblest version of that is muskaban you know maybe so so people realized that uh, meetings need to be done over video calls and it wasn't difficult it wasn't very complicated one touch operation and that was a big learning number 3 closely tied to that business could get done remotely there were lots of people who believed that business could never be done remotely so all, there were and not just business leaders think of the entire call center industry back in 2010 20 even if you go back a few more years say 25 26 or 27 you know 2007 is what i mean uh, there was a period of time even the hr folks the hiring the recruitment the management the people they all despised call center people looked down upon them as if you didn't find any other job this is the only job that you could have do you are a call center agent it was almost used very derogatorily if you will for lack of a better expression which is not the case elsewhere in the world a typical call center job is respected as much or as less whatever way you want to look at it but it's not looked upon derogatorily for example if you had a call center in manila they are just as fine the same in canada or same in romania some of these places where which were outsourcing destinations they have a very healthy respect for call center professionals they believe that they are doing a particular job and that requires them to be on telephone yes some of the jobs given to them were less critical these are early days say early start of 2000 2001 23 when only the back office activity or very low end lead gen activity or demand gen or very non customer facing as long as limited interactivity is required those kind of jobs were given to the call center people but as the model matured people realized and i'd give credit to the americas here they realized that this is a business model here to stay you needed to reach more customers 
sitting in one place rather than meeting two customers in one day. That was a great business logic. So this conversation is not new. It, in India, as you know, people there are more naysayers and there were more people, especially the field sales folks traditionally. And with all due respect, I say this because they were successful in closing deals by going to the customer office and closing the deal in conversation, sitting in, in their office for hours together, 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock, 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock. In the night, they were with the customer. Sir, they did an order. So please give me the order. And until they would get the check out. So, and they prided themselves on that. And suddenly now, what happened is in this pandemic, people realized that, well, the value that you bring to the table exceeds your relationship. If your relationship is very good and value very low, then the customer is going to opt for another vendor. You are nothing but just a vendor offering services. So as long as you offer the value and that value can be delivered over telephone, can be done remotely, can be done as efficiently if monitored well, can be accountable if monitored well. If the processes are in place, that's a very efficient way of doing business. This reality hit hard to a lot of old school leaders. And I keep using this term, you'll hear this repeatedly. When I say old school, I mean, I don't mean that they were bad leaders. What I mean is they were good in their prime time when the market allowed them to be or allowed them to function the way they were functioning at the time. So I, as I always say, how you sold in 2010 is not how you sell in 2020. See, a lot of people carried the past baggage, even youngsters. And these are not even, you know, I'm not talking about just the senior leaders, even the new batches, if you will, people with zero to five, zero to seven years of work ex working in the field. Who could they emulate? They had to emulate their bosses who were these old school leaders who believed that this is the only way to do business. A popular phrase which goes around in North India is, which essentially means this is the way it happens. That's the way I know. That's how the business is done. You know, I've been around. I know. That's that's the way most leaders would come across. Some would vocalize it. Some wouldn't. But by and large, that's the message that would come across. And so that got shattered. It got broken down big time. Because now the same people were taking multiple conference calls, closing deals, making the same pitches to the customers and getting the job done and so business can be done remotely was a big statement that got justified in 2020 number four a subset of number three value over relationship like i said before i think i covered that in the conversation before that what you bring to the table exceeds where you come from and i'll just leave it at that that's something for you to think what you bring to the table for the customer, it's not what you want to sell, it's what they want to buy, right? If you are able to match that, then you have a shot at getting that customer's business. Whether it is done remotely, whether it's done in person, becomes immaterial. So value over past relationships. Number five, control and accountability. If your insecurity is about whether the person will be working efficiently or whether the person will not take the job seriously are mitigated, then there is no reason for you as a leader to worry about your employee working from home. Now, working from home erstwhile was considered not as efficient in many places, 
while in america or in some of the more developed economies that was a way of life at least in post 2013 14 time frame i've had many many colleagues who worked from home just as efficiently as ever but as you know in india there is always this notion that if you are not in front of your boss if you're not arriving before them and leaving after they have left then you're not working as hard so people pretend to look exceedingly busy while at office and whereas the output is the same or less if you will so what changed is in 2020 people started becoming more accountable the processes were hard as long as the job got done as long as the deadline got met whether you were there sitting in front of the laptop for nine consecutive hours or whether you took you know you were lying down and doing the job became less important of course when there were customer interfacing meetings you still had to put on the jacket while wearing a shorts <laughs> you probably you know had to look formal 50% up and 50% below could be absolutely informal but the job still got done so the accountability came into place the control came into place number 7 life kept moving towards april when the lockdown got extended twice or the third time around you were like this is getting incredibly frustrating now you are almost in air tight situation you were locked inside your home inside your society inside your locality the emergence of covid yes started to happen more because people got restless and said now enough is enough whatever will happen will happen let's get out of home and see what what's in store out there you know they almost developed a fatalistic point of view like yeah we'll see what it is and it's just that people are getting a little bit of a fever and a little bit of this and people also thought that only old people got it then somebody said no young people never get it and all of those myths got broken all said and done life kept moving you know as much as you thought that life would come to a standstill it just did not albeit it went slowly it slowed down but it did not come to a standstill big big lesson for people who thought world would end life would end it did not number 8 no matter how deep the failure you kept moving lot of people lost jobs lot of people lost opportunities interviews got stalled people got rejected uh, offers there was those infamous layoffs that happened companies going publicly and announcing that they are laying off people while those people were still working in the office that was I, one of the most ridiculous things to really happen at a corporate level and a public interface level what you do in private is very different from what you announce to the public but those things happened but no matter how deep the trauma or the situation was people kept being resilient they went from in, they had to give that many more applications that many more job interviews some had to even accept pay cuts unfortunately you know there was lot of organizations cited that well i'm not making money so how do i give more money to the guy whereas the job seeker would say if my output was to do 10 things I'm not going to do eight things. I'm still going to do ten things. So why would you pay me for eight things? So again, very difficult to justify one way or the other. But the net result of it was that people still kept moving. That's part of the resilience factor. You know, people don't stop. Number nine, nothing came to a halt for a long period of time. You see, the long period, uh, the lockdown happened for thirteen days, for twenty-one days. then again for 5 15 days but 
it wasn't like a five month blackout or a one month shutdown. It didn't happen like that, right? Essential services were slowly allowed. People got a method to the quietness and I won't use the madness here. It's like a method to the quietness of, of it all that, okay, given the situation, how can I now move forward bit by bit? And the last part of or the point number 10 was, you know, people broke down big problems into small parts and took baby steps. See, all of these are interrelated, somewhat overlapping, but each holds a merit of its own. These are big life lessons, right? That no matter how big the wall is, you have to start chipping away one rock at a time. Like the famous saying, the journey of a thousand miles begins with a single step. I guess a lot of us took those single steps one at a time, one at a time. We don't know what the next month will look like, what the next week will look like. Let's get through these two days first. Let's get through each day. And the problems became that much more easier to handle by putting the blinkers on, if you will. That you had the blinkers on and said, okay, I can't see so much into the future. Let me see if I can complete one day's activities and tasks and do the stuff that is in my control. The stuff that is not in my control, well, let's not worry about it. Am I being efficient enough, careful enough on the stuff that is in my control and doing it to the best of my ability? And I think people did a fabulous job in managing their lives based this thought process. And those were the 10 things that we really learned as life lessons from 2020. I'm sure there are hundreds and thousands and maybe differ for you. If you had a life experience which was absolutely different from the ones that you heard today on this episode, do share a comment below or share a voice message on the link below. I'd love to learn from some of your experiences and see how it went for you. With that, I'd like to first compliment you on a fabulous 2020. No matter what you did well, give yourself a pat on the back like one of my close acquaintances used to say in a sales training program, give yourself a dot. And so give yourself a dot on that uh, and you know, collect the number of dots of the good stuff that you've done in 2022 still be alive. And I mean it metaphorically that you are alive in spirit, you are alive in hope. And no matter what the corporate bigwigs or people say when they say hope is not a strategy, that kind of got thrown away big time, didn't it? Hope was the only strategy in 2020. And boy, did you do well to come to 31st of December, braving all those battles across the last 365 days. So kudos to you. You did a fabulous job. And now onwards and upwards to 2021. As we come to the end of this episode and this year, I'd like to make a small request to all you listeners. It really helped me if you can leave a message or a review on Spotify and or Apple. Just all you've got to do is go to podpage.com slash talk slash reviews. Once you go there and click the review either on Apple or go to Spotify and search for Bus Talk, you will get the link to the podcast. If you leave a review, essentially tells me that perhaps I'm on the right track. And if I'm not, then absolutely I will try and improve to the best of my ability. Bouquets and brickbats all are welcome. It's incredibly difficult 
for people like us and when i say us i mean introverts in general to go and do an outreach program sending out the requests to listen to the podcast in itself is slightly difficult for me but i realize that that's an essential part of at least letting people know so i really need your help to let others know who might appreciate similar content and if so uh, do please share forward make sure you subscribe because all the time it's not possible for me to distribute and share it over various platforms so if you can subscribe on podpage or you can subscribe on apple or anchor or spotify whatever that works for you i'd really be grateful and like i said if there are topics questions queries that you would like me to cover address if i can i'm not <laughs> expert on by any stretch of imagination all i do is share basic some of the common sense that has accrued to me over the years some of it might be applicable to your life directly and some of it might not and it's fair always open to learn always open to hear more feedback and improve and so my humble request to you is if you get a chance to take some time out and spend a minute to review the content on bus talk and it will help me understand you better as well with that wish you a great year ahead do well be well stay safe and get your a game to work you can reach me on my social media handles hashtag #gyanban on twitter or facebook or send me an email on gyanban@gmail.com that's g y a n b a double n there two ends at gmail and i'd be delighted to hear from you Thank you.